Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. We're always glad that you're here. We always think of this table as having a third chair and you're sitting at it. So we're glad you're here. Good to be with my buddy, John. How you doing, man? I am doing great, and welcome, everybody. Glad you're here listening today. We're going to talk about something I love, uh, which is prayer, uh, but we're going to do it in a really authentic way. I hope so. Yep, that's the goal. Uh, Before we start, we always try to talk about something that's a bit uh, personal and sometimes a bit ridiculous, but uh, (laughs) today, phobias. You have any phobias? Are you afraid of anything that, like, abnormally afraid of anything? I am afraid of nothing (laughs) except for mice. (laughs) Clearly, he is not afraid of God because he lies. (laughs) Mice. I do not like rodents uh, and any, I mean, even if it's a hamster, don't care for him. So, So, like, Little tiny white mice freak you out. <laughs> yeah, you're not exactly a I little could, guy. I mean, no, no, you know, my uh, you probably some of this probably comes through parents. So, my mom, my mother was always like deathly afraid of mice. Okay, so we live, my, my dad was in the military, so we were stationed in Madrid. Okay, and uh, so she saw a mouse in our little apartment that we lived in. Mm-hmm. And so, she lined up our living room chairs from the kitchen throughout the house. And she walked on those chairs because she didn't want to be on the <laughs> the floor in case there was a mouse. So I pro- probably, probably got did not realize that me. mice can actually climb also. There you go. <laughs> and mom, if you're listening, sorry for telling all your deep, dark secrets, but uh, true is true. So and, uh, uh, I I think I've heard a story about you and a mouse sharing a bed. Yeah. So um, so when I was a missionary, uh-huh. uh, we were, you know we go to churches and you know got, you know tell people about what we did and raise funds for our missions work. So I was at a church in Kansas City, and it was in the inner city, but they had like an apartment for for you know guests. Sure. So anyways, the you know they go in there and they're showing me. Well, there's a there's a whole like case of of mouse traps. So I go, why do you have mouse traps? Do you have my, mice in there? Like, oh no no no, we just have those here for you know just in case. And I was like, okay. Well, you know, th- throughout the day, I'm hearing like you know little noises that sound like mice, and I'm like, all right. Well, they said there are not any mice. So, anyways, I go to bed that night, and I wake up. It's probably about three o'clock in the morning, and I can feel something crawling in my bed, and of course, it was a mouse. And I just, you know, being the, you know, big guy that I am, I flipped out. I was like, ah! So I get up. I grabbed a few things. I got my wallet, my coat. I get in the car, and I went and I booked at a hotel. Oh wow! Which I stayed for the remain- remainder <laughs> of my visit. Um, but the next day, I came. I came back to collect my things. When I came back the next day, there was a dead mouse in the bed. <laughs> so I think I scared the mouse to death. So whatever I was afraid oh, of, wow. he was more afraid of. And he wasn't squashed. He was literally just you know, flat heart, heart attack. Yeah. So wow. I guess. <laughs> so how about yourself? Uh, and I, I need you to be very transparent here, okay? Uh, yes. Uh, there's no question. I didn't even know that I had this until, like, years. I mean, I wasn't, a, I wasn't just an adult. I was, like, you know, in my 40s before I realized maybe even – yeah, it was probably 40s, but mid-40s at least – before I realized I had claustrophobia. 
Wow. Like, I did not. I mean, it's not like get on an elevator. That doesn't bother me at all, stuff like that. It's, but there are certain things like really tight spots. And especially, this sounds weird, but especially if like the uh, air is stale, mm. you know, like in really tight spots can be sometimes the air's not moving and it gets, you know, that can really freak me out. Um, I know you've been there many times to Israel. Um, there's a place called Hezekiah's Tunnel. Been through there before. Yep. Yes. I think we've even told yes. a story about that maybe yep. once uh, where you climb down a bunch of stairs and then you walk into this tunnel that's told about in the Bible where Hezekiah built it in order to make sure that uh, the city of Jerusalem had a water source. Mm. And uh, it's the tunnel he, he built. It's amazing. It's great. I walked down the stairs. I stepped into the tunnel where it's really tight. That day it was very busy. It's a very touristic you know, place. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very busy. It was people, you know, basically chest to back. I mean, yep. and you're in a dark spot. You have to carry a flashlight. Yeah, with you have you. to carry a flashlight. It's you're walking out. in yeah. water. Yeah. And you're underground. And there's a lot of people. So the air was stale, hot, humid. I felt my respiration increasing. I felt my heart rate increasing. I started sweating. And I was like, it's not that hot in here. <laughs> and I mean, it was clear I was not doing well. And um, and one of my my youngest son stepped off of into the water and it he was little. Yeah. So it came up to like his chest and it scared him. And, you know, he started crying like any child his age would have done in that context. And, you know. He did not want to be in there. And I remember Amy going, I can take him out. And I was like, no, 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 it's all right. Let me do it. You're such a good sacrificial <laughs> just a, husband. Exactly. <laughs> and I told her later, I said, man, that wasn't about him. That was about me. I needed to get out of there. I mean, it's happy to help him. But boy, I was not. And um, I can't do MRIs. You know, if wow. I have to have an MRI, I have to do what's called an open MRI, which is looks like a clamshell where you can actually look out the side. If I if I can look out, I'm fine. Put me in a normal MRI and I am it is not pleasant. Well, I'm not claustrophobic and I don't uh, I've had to do an MRI. I hate when they put you in those tubes and yeah. it's so tight and you're there for a long I just have to close my eyes and just, you know, try to go to sleep or just forget yeah, about it. I can't the do any of that. Yeah. I mean, they I remember I had to have an MRI once and I didn't know that I couldn't do one because I'd never had one before. Yeah. And they put me on the thing like they always do. And you know, I'm looking at that tube kind of going, this was after the Zach or, you yeah. know, the Hezekiah's tunnel thing. And I'm looking at that tube and I'm going, eh, it doesn't look too small. But yeah. the but the bed was out. Yeah. So I was looking at the whole tube and not <laughs> not like how much clearance would be above my face when they actually got me in there. And they got it in and they had to because of what i was having done they had to immobilize me so they put these like giant like sandbags on my <laughs> shoulder my chest and, and which actually i mean it's like weighing putting 25 pounds on top Whoa. of your chest that doesn't that affects your breathing yeah, automatically it's a real and, thing yeah. yeah and then so apart from that and then i they they give me this um what do you call it like a emergency panic button, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, you know, and they put it in my right hand. I can remember it now. And they were like, you know, if you have any issues, just push the button, you know, they, <laughs> they start sliding me <laughs> in the tube. I'm not halfway in the tube and I'm going, 
Get me out of here. here. And then, of course, I I can't stand that about myself because, you know, I, I, you know, just being transparent, I hate showing weakness. Yeah. And I was like, this makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, there's that's the thing about phobias. You know, I mean, I guess well, my, mice, a mice can bite yeah. you at least, you know. <laughs> I knew that machine was not going to collapse on me. I knew that tunnel yeah. was not going to collapse on me, yeah. you know. there. So there was no rationality yeah. to it. and But it did make it less real, man. And, you know, yeah. so I finally, I think I'm the only person that the Arab Center for Heart Specialization in Jordan ever had to give a refund for an MRI. <laughs> You're the only one, right? Yeah, I, and they were like, if you would just leave, we'll give you a refund. <laughs> well, I, because there, it's unlike yeah. here, you pay for everything up front. Yeah. So I had paid, already paid for everything, and then I, I couldn't actually get the service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they had to figure out, like, how do we give a refund at a hospital yeah. for something? You know? Yeah, so this is truth and grace. So we need a lot of grace today <laughs> yeah. while we tell you the truth. But, you know, er, early in my 20s, I was a meat cutter. And uh, we had one of the guys that like worked with us, mm-hmm. and he had he was claustrophobic. So every time he would go in a freezer, he would like jimmy the door and put a garbage can there so okay. it wouldn't close on. Sure. Him. So uh, so one time I thought I would be funny. It's not funny. This is a terrible thing. Don't ever do this. <laughs> <laughs> but I I moved the the trash can and I shoved the door closed, thinking it would be a funny thing to do. Yeah. And my you know not not real bright. The cashiers at the front of the store could hear him screaming, oh. and I immediately was like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry." So uh, today we're telling a lot of, giving a lot of truth. We hopefully you can give us a little bit of grace, and uh, if you have things you struggle with, then today you can feel a little bit better about yourself. Yeah, exactly, because so. we all have them. Yeah. And yeah. you know, one of the best ways we deal with things that we struggle mm-hmm. with, obviously, is through prayer. Amen. And you know, I don't know that there's been a subject that maybe is talked about more in Christianity, you know, for, for believers. Yeah. You know, is because we all acknowledge every I don't know. I've never talked to one person who didn't say prayer was important. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, Christianity is different than every other religion. Yeah. It's a relationship. And how do you have a relationship with God absent of prayer? So it's obviously important. But how you navigate through it is, is you know, and we want to have an authentic discussion today about it. Absolutely. And and we want to acknowledge that there are some right approaches to prayer and then some that are not healthy. Yep. And, you know, probably just, just to start with, you know, the approach of you need to pray more. Right. I, I don't know about you. I've, I've heard those sermons. I've heard those you know, from from various people, none of those have ever encouraged me over the long haul yeah. to actually develop a more fruitful, consistent prayer life. Well, what tends to happen is you you feel a little guilty because what the what what's being said is true. Then you go, okay, you know what, this is right, and I need to do the best that I can to be yeah. better at praying. So I want to get up at five o'clock in the morning. I'm going to really throw my best at it. And then what happens is when it doesn't have the fruit that comes back, because really prayer is something because it is relationally. If if there's not a desire for that, if it's not born out of relationship, sure. it's eventually going to dry out. And you're, you're either just doing it out of a discipline 
or um, or you really find relationship in it. And it's important that you find the relationship aspect of what prayer is. Yes, absolutely. I and and I would acknowledge that there is a duty is not all bad. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and would I you know what I long for in my prayer life is delight. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there's not for what I have so what I have discovered is if my prayer life is only duty, yeah. it it's it's not sustainable. If it's only delight, it's not sustainable either because I'm looking for something that won't be there every time I pray. Yeah. So what I have discovered through the years is that discipline is the bridge between duty and delight. You know, that if I discipline myself, setting aside, for instance, you know, because the Bible tells us we should pray without ceasing. That's the old, you know, we should pray at all times. But the truth is, for me, I've discovered that if I don't set aside a certain time to pray. So in other words, if I'm if I'm not praying at a specific time, I'm not likely to pray all the time. Yeah, no, I there, there's there's definitely the aspect, and it's what we've all heard from the day I got saved was you know set a time a, a time aside, make sure that every day you spend the time to do that, and it it just is so important though that you keep a balance because it's like you know if you if you you know if you're a husband or a wife out there and you come home and your spouse is reading the book and it says and the title of the book is how to love your spouse, uh, <laughs> you're like. I think we may have a problem here. You know what I mean? So so you're it's a relationship and you want to build a relationship if it's all done off of discipline or all done off of setting the time aside and there's not a real hunger and a desire for the relationship then you're you're starting at a at a difficult place. So managing and you can you, I want you to to address that managing the tension between this is what I love because I love Jesus more than anything in life. And then still being able to uh, put the discipline in so that those two are uh, work, both working in tandem. Yeah, absolutely. I, I tend to think of it as, dis, like I said, it's discipline as the bridge. Yep. And so sometimes that requires a little bit more. Sometimes it requires a little bit less. You know, you use the analogy of husbands and wives. <laughs> You know, when when my wife says to me, you know, you know, she wants to spend time with me, you know, I can say, okay, let me look at my calendar, look at my, you know, okay, I can give you <laughs> forty five minutes, you know, that's probably not going to give you an appointment. Yeah, exactly. That's not going to work out well for me uh, or her, and it's certainly not going to help our marriage. At the same time, I do prioritize it. Yes. which is a form of discipline. Yeah. I am saying I am going to give her preference over watching the football game or watch, you know, so it's not n- discipline. So, and then I go now, you know, there's obviously a conversation that goes on there about mm-hmm. when do we do this and how do we do it and everything. But what I've discovered for myself is that, you know, if if I say, so the duty side, I'm supposed to do this. I'm going to do this. Yep. I'm probably not going to have a great time. Right. And it's not going to lead to greater intimacy yep. if that's the only reason I'm doing it. So yeah. what, we are, what we long for, I think this is the 
point that maybe for myself and you know I would make today is we all acknowledge we are we were created for relationship with God. Absolutely. And and to give you an illustration, you prioritize time with Amy because you love her. Absolutely. And because life gets so busy and your job gets so busy and other things get so busy that if you don't prioritize that time, then you look back and you you know what? I really haven't spent quality time, so I have to prioritize it. It's a little bit somewhat different, but it's the same way with the Lord. You go, I, Jesus, I love you more than anything. But if, but if I love you more than anything, I have to prioritize time. So it t- there is some discipline, but the point of it isn't the discipline. Exactly. The point of it is I love mm-hmm. you more than anything, and so I'm setting this time aside with you so that I can engage with you in relationship. A hundred percent. That's We were created for that relationship, yep. and prayer is probably the most important component yep. for, for the expression of that relationship, you know, to, you know, the Psalms are full of examples of, you know, the psalmist, they are a collection of prayers, you know, and and what's so beautiful for me about the Psalms, and this could be a whole series of talks on this subject, is that there's all kinds of prayers there. There's conversational prayers, there's prayers of adoration, there's prayers where the psalm, the, the writer of the psalms is disappointed, discouraged, maybe even depressed. Repenting of Repenting, sin. You know? Mad as, <laughs> I mean, the psalms say some things that I can't imagine ever coming out of my mouth. Yeah. You know, it shows, but all that shows you is, <laughs> so we're talking about authentic prayer. If you went to your pastor at church and go, this is how I'm feeling about God this week. He'd be like, I'm never going to let you teach a Sunday school Well, class. or, yeah, or this is how I'm feeling about yeah. the person who I'm mad at. Yeah. Because that's what the some of the Psalms talk about, yeah. you know, God do this to, you know, these people and it's not nice. Yeah. And, you know, but the the point here being is there's nothing we can't bring to the table where it comes to a conversation with God. Well, and the other point is this, and I, and I hope that the people that are listening in appreciate this. We do highly value here authenticity. And what I love about the Psalms and King David is that he is really authentic with his feelings. And I find that a lot of times people in the Christian world, because they never process their feelings and they really get things right and they're honest with God— that you tend to hold all of these things in, feeling like, well, I'm not going to process it because if I do, I'm unspiritual, where God is saying, hey, lay your cards on the table, be authentic, be real, tell me what's on your mind, and you know what? I can speak to you in that place, but if you just pretend like you're spiritual and you hide the issues and you never process them, it never really allows you to cross the barrier so that you can really be living on the side of victory. Yeah, what I've discovered is if you talk things out with God, you don't act things out with people. There you go. But if you ref- if you don't talk things out with God, you are likely to act things out with people. And I've seen too many people <laughs> who process their issues with people, yeah. but not process their issues with God. That is a word from the Lord for somebody <laughs> watching today. Process it with God, or you're going to find yourself processing with people. And most of the time when you do that, it always winds up causing more trouble. So uh, process it with God first, 
and then address it with people. Absolutely. I love the, you know, the, there's this Psalm that talks about, I was thinking these things. Why do the rich, why do the, you know, the the wicked wicked prosper, prosper, you know, they never have any problems. Their kids are always doing great. (laughs) Their wives are, you know, this and all this. He goes, I was thinking all of these things. I was really upset. I was mad basically. And said, and then I entered into the presence of God. Amen. And in in God's presence, there was an attitude adjustment. There was a there was a paradigm shift when all of a sudden I went, oh, their days are numbered. <laughs> well, and, and the truth of it is, it did not change the injustice no, of the world. Absolutely or, not. You know, it, it wasn't all of a sudden like, oh, now everybody you know now got what they deserved, and so I can be happy. Yeah. He, what happened was his thinking became aligned with God's thinking. Yeah. And he found a victory. In Absolutely. Yeah. So let's just talk for just a minute because, you know, we're pushing into our time here, maybe about some different kinds of prayer. So, you know, for me, I, I just be honest, you know, you, you give me a book, give me my Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can spend hours reading scripture and studying. You know, I, I love sermon prep. I love going deep. You know, give me a Bible, give me some commentaries, give me, you know, how does this connect with people? You know, I want to bring a word of life to people. I can spend hours doing that, you know, not every day, but sometimes 15 minutes into prayer and I'm going, God, I got nothing else. I I just don't know what else to say. And, you know, just being authentic. So for me, I need systems to help me pray. And so one of those things that has really helped me is the Lord's Prayer yeah. and using it, not just saying the Lord's Prayer, but using it as a model. Yeah. You know, so it starts with worship. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it starts even before that. It starts with relationship yeah, because magnifying. it starts with it. Well, before that, our Father. Mm. It starts with relationship. Before it, it, Interesting, before it even goes to adoration. Yep. It starts with an acknowledgement that I have a relationship with you. Amen. And that's just for me, I have to be reminded mm-hmm. all the time that, you know, that's what this is all based on. Yes, you are my God. You are my Lord. You're all that, but it, you're also my father. Mm-hmm. So it starts with that. And that for me, that's really, really crucial. And, and then I can take those different components. So, you know, a relationship adoration, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So, mm-hmm. you know, then I start talking about, okay, God, these are the things in my, that I see that don't seem to line up with your kingdom. Yeah. You know, would you intervene in here? There's, there's request for, I need my needs met. Yeah. You know, there's request, there's forgiveness being restored to right relationship, not right relationship in the sense that we were alienated from God, but God, forgive me. I failed Mm -hmm. and help me to forgive others. You know, all of those things fall into um, that uh, funny story. So one time when I was in Jordan, we had the late um, Pastor Paul Youngie Cho Mm -hmm. uh, and David Youngie Cho, depending on what part of his life he was seeing, yeah. uh, came to Jordan and uh, spoke at our church and some stuff. And he was a very interesting character. And uh, I, I love listening to him. Anyway, he was talking about how he would go 
like every weekend he would go to like every Saturday or something, he would go to Prayer Mountain there yep. right outside of Seoul. And they have these like little caves in the mountain where they have like a little bed and a little chair, a place for you to sit and everything. And you go in there and he goes, I would go and he goes, I go every weekend. And he goes, and I pray for 12 hours. And I remember somebody from Jordan saying to him there, the Jordanian saying, Pastor Cho, you, you, you pray 12 hours? You know, and there he was like, oh, yes. And they go, how do you pray for 12 hours? He goes, oh, it's very easy. Sometimes I take nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I pray eight hours a day. <laughs> right yeah. before I go to bed, right when I wake up. But he, counted all as my prayer yeah, meetings. <laughs> but he did have this wonderful expression after he said that. He said, there is something special about going to bed, going to sleep with Jesus on your lips and waking up with Jesus on your mind. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking that that part of that is beautiful. Yep. And and it also the great part of that is it also showed it wasn't about 12 hours. Yep. It was about communication, it was about intimacy with God. And 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 it was about understanding that God actually wants to talk to us. Yeah. Uh, for what does prayer look like for you, John? Yeah, and you know, and this this is probably a really uh, good good thing to be said here too, because some people are watching and going twelve hours of prayer. It just you know it just seemed like this mountain. And one thing that I would say to people is something that was said to me when I was a new believer, like um, when it comes to reading the Bible and prayer, it's not necessarily the length of time but it's the attention that you give it while you're engaged. And I, I have found over the years that it, it could be even while I'm driving or through mm. the process of the day or in my prayer times. But as I keep that focus on, you know, really about the relationship and who Christ is, and as, as you're saying, there's different types of prayers, intercessory prayer yep. for others, uh, praying for your own needs, uh, being honest with your emotions, all of those wrap into it. But just like uh, my wife, mm-hmm. I have many different ways that I relate to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a provider. And I think that there's there's different dimensions of relationship that we have with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so as we feed into that and we do it authentically, I think where people get into the problem is when they try to do it out of a task or a job, but it's not something that's really out of their heart. It always comes to really dry places because you're trying to do something that's not really there. And the more that you can do it and and really um, experience the relationship and help to grow in those places, I, I like to say it because I'm like you. I love God's word. Uh, but I would I would say to our, our church, we would do this thing called growing strong in the faith. Mm-hmm. And I would ask them the question, like, you know, which is more important, the, the right wing of an airplane or the left wing? Well, you know, what's more important, the word or prayer? Both are really important. Sure. And I find like when, as I'm preparing, it, it may not be like three hours of prayer while I'm preparing, but I, you probably find this as well. But if I'm, if I'm going through a message, there'll be times that I'll just stop and I'll pray, God, put this into my heart. Sure. Because when I preach, I don't want it to just be words on a piece of paper that I kind of figured out that really fit together well. I want it to be in my spirit and my heart. And those are things that happen in prayer. So when you start to just, um, you know, if, if you're at a starting place, I would really just say to folks, just whatever you're doing, it could be, hey, five times during the day, 
I want to spend five to 10 minutes and just stop for a moment and just realign my thinking so that I'm not, I'm not approaching this world like everybody else. I want to have a spiritual dynamic as I'm going through that there's always this awareness that God is with me and I'm in communication with him through, throughout the day. I think that that aligns us more with this, this spiritual dynamic. And then, and then when you have those long prayer times, they don't seem as cumbersome sure. uh, when it when it's done out of just this the reality of the knowledge of who God is. Yeah, quite frankly, I don't generally spend unless there's an event. Yeah, you know, like a prayer meeting or something like that. I don't usually spend long periods of time yeah. praying, but I do think you know and try to pray regularly throughout the day. So you know, like we were talking about discipline earlier. For me, sometimes that just looks like getting in the car. I drive to work. I have about a 15-minute drive yeah. to work. Uh, I like to listen to podcasts. I like mm-hmm. to listen to audio books. I listen to some music, yeah. um, you know. But sometimes I discipline myself to say I'm not turning on the radio today. I'm not turning on anything. I'm just going to pray on yeah. my way to work, yeah. you know, and – and I think one of the things for me I have to be careful of is as somebody who is in ministry, that I don't let my prayer life just be wrapped around ministry. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I have to prepare talks, you know, to, I, and I, I want God to show up in those. But but I don't want my prayer life just to be about that. You know, I, I, I have to issues. Sometimes my not oftentimes my prayer life just needs to be about. God, this is just about me and you. Yep. This isn't about anything else. You know, I just want to be in your presence. I want to hear your voice. Um, now, I, I have a, a issue, not an issue. I have a question for you. Okay. For me, a part of prayer that I am growing in that has not generally been a part of my prayer life, I wasn't taught this as a child um, or as a, even as a young adult um, or even as a not-so-young adult. <laughs> I am growing in this. How does silence fit into prayer for you? Does it fit into prayer for me? You, Because obviously I'm saying it is, I'm growing in that area now for me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting question, and I you 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 I'm sure you're aware of this as well. But you know, the Catholic Church would have monasteries, and they would literally have priests and nuns that would go, and for a year, yeah, it, they would live in silence. They couldn't talk to other people; they would just live in silence. That's probably an, an exaggerated uh, understanding of sure. the scripture. Uh, but sometimes the best thing is silence. I I know some of the most meaningful times particularly in church services. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody in, in a church service wants to talk or <laughs> shout or give a word or a prophetic whatever. I, I, I find some of the most meaningful times in mm-hmm. worship services is when everything can just be silent. Sure. And there's just, and I think that this is one thing I find with, um, you know, people that I read, you know, some of the great prayer warriors through history, mm-hmm. that God consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes when there's silence, you're not really talking to God. You're listening. Mm-hmm. I think that those can be some of the deepest, richest points in life. Because when a prayer life is God hears all the things, intercession for nations, here's my needs, here's what I'm thinking. The silence is stopping for a moment and going, God, let me hear what you're saying. 
And I think that when you just stop talking mm-hmm. and you just have those moments that you're just really listening, and sometimes those can be, you know, two or three minutes, or it could be longer periods of sure. time. But I find some of those, those are the times I get the greatest direction. God deals with the deepest issues in my life. Mm-hmm. So something, if you're watching today, you may try sometime and go, hey, just in my prayer time, let me just stop talking for a while and just sit in silence and, and, get, and bring a God consciousness where I go, God, right now, I just pray that you speak to my spirit, speak to my heart, help give me an awareness of what you're saying to me right now. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, the Lord will speak to some of the greatest issues in your life yeah. when you just sit in silence. I agree 100%. And for those of you who have never done this, I will just warn you, <laughs> this is incredibly difficult mm. because we live in a world of noise. Yep. You know, we, I mean, we always have something going on. I mean... You know, we we have earbuds in, we have headphones on, we have the television on, we have conversations that you know that, and and some, you know that I am not against any of that stuff. Oh yeah, but we get so used to the noise that all of a sudden when things are quiet, you know, it's it, it's almost off putting. Uh, we were Amy and I and our son, one of our sons, were at a restaurant recently. And it's a small, not an expensive, just a very simple Chinese restaurant. And one of the things that actually stands out in this restaurant is they never have any music or anything. They have no background noise playing. Yeah. Because if you go to anywhere today, like you go to any restaurant, there's always something playing in the background. And there's never anything at this restaurant. And it's so so different that you kind of go, What's, what's there's something kind of strange here. <laughs> <laughs> Why does anybody come to this restaurant? You know, when I was a youth pastor for years, I would I, I would use this illustration where you get a radio and a you know a TV, three or four things with noise going, right? And then I would try to talk, and you know, of course, you know, two or three minutes into it, people are like, yeah, I can't really catch what you're saying. And the illustration is sure. what we do with God. So sometimes, you know, sometimes noise is good. If you're listening to podcasts or, you know, preaching or yep. worship or whatever, noise is an evil in nope. and of itself. But when your whole life is inundated with all of the noise, sometimes it's what keeps us from hearing clearly what God is saying. Because I guarantee if you say, hey, God, can you show me? What areas in my life I need to work on? Like, what are the things that, you know, uh, you, God in heaven, think that I should change? And you sit quietly for five minutes. He's going to start. Here it's going to come, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's come. And, and you know, and and so those, those that's the awareness and the awakening. That's the moment where you really let God get into those deep issues. Sure. So, yeah, so the noise, sometimes you have to shut one thing off. So you can hear something that's far more valuable. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a discipline that I am working on in my yeah. own life is to to sit and be quiet. You know, the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. You know, you think back to, you know, when you were talking about when you were a youth pastor, well, then it was truly radios and TVs. And now, <laughs> you know, we walk around with, a you know, a, a, device in our pockets that we can get content 24 seven of all kinds and a lot and, and great content. Yeah. You know, so we're not, yes, there's trash out there, but I mean, we're talking about great content. 
that we can get, but we still even have to discipline ourselves from that. At least I do. Yeah. You could be a pastor leader that's out too. And one thing that I, I've, have always found, I find myself here at world challenge the same way where people are vying for your time and attention. Sure. So you get one person after another that wants counsel or has an idea or thoughts on a ministry and you can find yourself listening to everybody else's thoughts and ideas and, um, and somewhere, if you're not careful, all of that noise, not bad noise, yeah. but it can be noise if you don't take the time to go, God, what are you saying in this situation? And when you do that out of relationship and it's not out of a burden, it's out of a God awareness and engaging with the God who is with us. Mm-hmm. Um, he is there, uh, whether you feel like it or not, the Lord is that ever-present um, you know, help in our days of trouble and days that aren't trouble, he's ever present. And it's in those moments that you have that God awareness that he can really give you greater direction mm-hmm. and help you in areas of in your life when you just stop for a moment and just really listen to what he's saying. Sure. We're wrapping up our time today. You know, for me, the takeaways are, you know, both of us agree, prayer is incredibly important. Jesus went away prayed, you know, interestingly, his disciples never ask him, how do we preach? How do we teach? You know, they ask him, how do we pray? And I think they said, they asked him that question because they, they saw in him that prayer was important. Well, the great intimate relationship he has with his heavenly father and they were, that dynamic was, was something that was very visual to them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sometimes God calls us to longer, more intense mm-hmm. seasons of prayer. Prayer needs to be a regular part of our life. It needs to flow from relationship. Yep. Um, sometimes we have to have discipline in order to make sure that we maintain the relationship and give it the priority that it deserves. Um, there are all different forms of prayer, which we've talked about today yep. briefly. Um we well, talked about the importance of listening to God. And what, what, yeah. what would you say in closing? Well, and another thing is, yeah, just another thing to highlight on, and you, you started off with this, Mark, is the times that we, we introduce guilt and shame. Mm. You should be, and because you're not, right. God isn't very happy. You automatically take what should be really relational, and you introduce guilt and shame. And I think both of us understand those are negative emotions, uh, guilt and shame. They can have a work uh, in our lives where we go, okay, I've done something wrong and sure. I want to produce some good things. Absolutely. But but shame in and of itself never produces the righteousness of God. Yep. And so, uh, so when you introduce shame into, boy, I'm really not a good Christian because I don't pray. Here's what we believe at World Challenge. Uh, we believe it is as Christians. Jesus paid it all. My right standing with God is not dependent upon how good I am. It's how good he is. But now when I live by faith, now I become like Jesus, conformed to his image. And you cannot be conformed to Jesus and not be a person of prayer. Over time and as you walk and you're conformed to his image, it will just flow like a river. You don't have to force it, but it's never about guilt and shame. Yeah, if it starts with guilt and shame, if that's our motivation— then what's going to inevitably happen is we're not going to live up to the standard that we thought we were supposed to have of what a prayer life looked like. 
So it starts with guilt and shame. We're I got to pray more. I got to pray more. We start with that. It it somehow it's never going to be enough. (laughs) And then, of course, it ends with greater (laughs) guilt and shame. So if it starts with guilt and shame, it's going to end with guilt and shame. But if it starts with love and grace and relationship, then it's going to probably it's not going to end. It's just going to grow. And I can't imagine that God in heaven is like, you know, boy, thank you. I know you want to watch the football game right now and (laughs) really rather be doing a thousand other things. But thank you for uh, taking a few moments to say hello to me, even though you want to do something else. I can't imagine that that really moves (laughs) his heart, right? Now, but now if you give up Cowboys football— to pray that's on impressive. Sundays, that's, that's impressive. That's when I'll know you're really serious about your walk with God. <laughs> Actually, it's not that hard to give up Cowboys football sometimes. Yeah. I'm right back at guilt and shame. <laughs> um, as we close, uh, any so sometimes pr- books help us in these areas. Um, what What books about prayer have been beneficial to you? Well, you'll know you'll know by my answer how much I love World Challenge. Uh, Pastor Carter Conlon, just an incredible friend, and a gr- uh, he's had a great influence in my life. He wrote a book on "It's Time to Pray," mm-hmm. which I think is brilliant for our generation. Jim Cimbala, the other one mm-hmm. uh, from Brooklyn Tabernacle, yep. and he wrote "Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire." I know, particularly as a leader, that helped me and helping to make sure that prayer was a priority in yep. the ministry that we lead. So, and it's not something that we really talked about today. Maybe that's a future podcast, but how you lead other people into prayer, because sure. that's really significant. Absolutely. You, know, you can't do that if you're not a person of prayer, yeah. but uh, leading other people. So you have a church or a ministry uh, that is focused on prayer. That's a really important thing. And fresh wind, fresh fire is really great about making sure that prayer is a priority. Yeah, and I know I have, and I'm pretty sure you have too. We've both been to the Tuesday prayer meetings mm. there at Brooklyn Tabernacle. Mm. And, you know, Pastor Simbola says regularly, we could cancel our Sunday services, but we'll never cancel our prayer meeting yeah. on Tuesday night. So, you know, yeah, that priority is great. For me, you know, you, you know this about me. I tend to think about, I, I like to read old dead guys, you know, ODGs. Uh, so, you know, Brother Lawrence's book, Practicing the Presence of God, yep. is great. Andrew Murray's book on prayer is wonderful. Um, you know, Ian e. Bounds wrote several books on prayer uh, around the time of the Civil War. All of those are very, very good. Um, my one book that was written in the last you know, 20 years that really has impacted me on the subject of prayer is by Paul Miller. Mm. And he wrote a book on prayer that I have just found very, very good. And um, he deals with some really great issues in there. And I would encourage, you know, anybody to pick that book up. So for me to recommend a book by a non-dead guy, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's a big deal. Uh, So, yeah, I think all of these things are great fodder for Mm -hmm. prayer there. You know, I, we have a, in our house, we have a fireplace that's a real wood fireplace. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when I start a fire, I have to start with kindling and paper sometimes and all that. And, you know, so we, we, you know, 
Christians have been guilty for years of reading more about prayer than we pray, you know. But <laughs> you go when, to a prayer meeting yeah, and you talk for 30, 30 minutes, minutes and pray, pray for, for 10. <laughs> exactly. Um, but with all that said, you know, these things can help us. Yep. And, you know, I would be neglectful as a missions leader here at World Challenge if I didn't remind you of William Carey's famous statement, you know, that every Christian and here again, not putting this isn't about guilt. It's about priority, as you said earlier. Yeah. Every Christian should pray with an open Bible and an open map. Yeah. You know, that, you know, because we, we know that we have what we ask for when we pray according to the will of God. How do we know the will of God? Yeah. By his word. So we pray with an open Bible. We pray God's word back to him, the whole counsel of God. We don't just cherry pick. Yeah. We pray the whole counsel of God. And, of course, God loves the world. So, yeah. yeah. And if you're watching today and you don't know this, Mark is our missions director here. And what our missions is focused on here is taking the gospel where it doesn't, doesn't exist, exist to unreached people groups. And I think you'll agree with this. And maybe that's a great way to end our prayer today mm -hmm. is today as we're praying, uh, you cannot go to an unreached people group that uh, is in a persecuted area and instill the gospel and be effective. Without prayer. Oh, you can try. You can try. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> uh, Many and, have tried and failed. And the devil will eat you for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. And so will you lead us in prayer today, Mark, maybe for some of those unreached people groups and yeah. maybe for people that are watching today that maybe have struggled with the authenticity of prayer yeah. and the priority of prayer and going, hey, let's get rid of the guilt and shame yeah. and let's focus on the relationship and the priority of God's presence, the awareness of who he is. And I think that if you approach it that way, you'll be far more effective uh, with what God does in your life. Agreed. Father, we thank you for the fact that you call us into relationship with you. Yes. Uh, we didn't seek this out. There wasn't one good thing in us that sought you. You reached out and you called us into relationship. You definitely stepped down to allow us to call you father. You adopted mm -hmm. us into your family. And, Lord, everything flows out of that. And so, Lord, we just ask today that um, as we've tried to talk about this, we just we, we hope that we've set a table that people will understand that there's a Heavenly Father who longs for a relationship, a deeper relationship with them, not more as in quantity, but just that we would love each other, hear each other's voice, know each other, and Lord, so that for those who have struggled with this and feel guilt, Lord, we that's not from you. So Lord, because we know the guilt will only keep them estranged from you. Lord, I pray that today they would feel a hunger and a desire. Lord, Thank a you, love, uh, affection to, to spend time with you. Lord, just to be with you. Lord, um, we, we understand that discipline can be a useful tool, but we don't ever want that to be what just what causes us to pray. Thank you, God. Lord. We want to pray because we hear your voice crying out to us. Uh, and Lord, at the same time, Lord, we, we acknowledge that there are places in this world, there are issues in this world that are never going to come down. They're never going to be dealt with apart from intercession. Lord, you tell us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. 
They are spiritual for the pulling down of strongholds. Praise God. And so, Lord, today we pray, Lord, for the, the Pushtun in Afghanistan. Lord, we pray against the Taliban rule there. We ask that you would bring wholeness to that nation. It's a nation that has been broken for for not decades, but for centuries. Yes. Lord, we ask that you would bring the word of God there. Lord, we're every time the enemy tries to do things that shut down the gospel, it seems like you just use it to create a greater hunger. And so, Lord, that's what we pray would happen. Lord, we pray for these people who have been gospel-starved for so many centuries. Lord, may they have access to the gospel. Lord, may your spirit bathe that nation in a way it never has. Lord, we pray for the believers that are there. Encourage them, Lord. It's so easy for them to feel like they're alone. Lord, may they feel your presence right now. Lord, with the time difference, it's the evening there. Lord, may they just feel you walk into their room. Lord, as they sleep tonight, may they know they sleep in the shadow of the Almighty. And so, Lord, we just pray these things, asking that you be glorified in our lives and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good, good, good chat today. Praise God. Please join us next week when we will discuss another important issue. And so we ask that you would be with us, that you are always welcome at this table. We always want to deal with issues with truth and with grace. And so if this has been beneficial to you, we ask that you share it, make a comment. We just long to be able to touch more people's lives like you. In the meantime, take care and have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. If you enjoy listening to John and Mark, you could see both of them in person at the Fire in Our Bones conferences. Their heart is to see your passion for God and your calling rekindled. Check out worldchallenge.org or the show notes for more details. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.